episode 29 was last week, which makes this week episode 30 of Behind the Sport. Brent is joining me as usual. You ready for this one? Man, 30. Crazy. Number 30, and we have an absolute superstar of motorsport joining us. Although we say that every week. Like we, have we have superstars every week, though. But this guy's, a, this guy's a certified banger. Yeah, yeah. He's just come off the back of participating in the Porsche Mobile One Super Cup Championship, where uh, he came 10th. And that was actually supporting the Formula One circus over in Europe. So it'll be very interesting to have a chat with him about uh, his past and future and, of course, what's been going on recently. And, um, yeah, it's Jordan Love joins us right about now. Bring it on. Thanks for joining us, Jordan. How are you doing? No, thanks for having me. I'm good. How are you guys going? Yep, fantastic. Um, of course, the final round of the WA season was a couple of weeks ago, which you attended. And, um, yeah, we've, uh, Brent and I were at an event called Driftability last week, which was uh, all about giving some pretty cool young people and not-so-young people the chance to jump in drift cars and exotics. So, yeah, Coming off that at the moment, looking forward to a break sometime maybe after Christmas before it all kicks off again. But um, you've been a busy man this year, been over in Europe. Yeah, very busy. Um, no, it was good to get over to the um, to the last round of um, last round in, in WA here at home. Obviously, to do some laps with my brother as well, which was which was really special. It's something we haven't really done um, since the karting days. So to do some laps with him at at, at Barbagello as well, which is obviously a track that I'm, I'm quite familiar with, but not so familiar with lately because I haven't driven on it for, for quite some time before that meeting. So, um, yeah, that was really good. But um, onto, onto this year, I have been quite busy, been overseas and uh, competing in the Porsche Super Cup Championship, which has, has been, uh, been an incredible year. Yeah. Now, look, we'll jump back right to the very, very beginning. And um, how did you get involved in motorsport? Uh, I started when I was, was 10, you know, most like most people in, in karting, uh, I got given a go-kart for, for Christmas. I've always been a little bit of a rev head, you know, could point out makes and models of cars before I probably knew the alphabet type of thing. And, um, my dad always loved his cars and did a bit of racing back in the day. So, um, yeah, grew up for a love of cars and, and being a bit of a rev head. So it was kind of a not a silly choice to give me a go-kart for Christmas, I don't think. And then it sort of got, uh, got serious fairly quickly, obviously competing all throughout the state and then all throughout Australia. And then obviously making the step into some open wheeler stuff. So um, yeah, I could never really picture myself doing anything else, to be honest. I just, I love the sport and, you know, I love what I get to do. That's for sure. The um, first, first time you ever went out competitive racing, how did you go? Um, I can't actually remember the first ever time. Um, I remember the first state title I did was in the first year I started racing carts. Um, and we finished, ended up finishing second, um, at, at Coburn. So that was, that was in the first, first year that I started. I can't remember exactly the first time, but I can guarantee, I reckon the first time I went out, I knew absolutely no idea what I was doing. So, (laughs) um, was all all game back then that's for sure 
Well, um, just pause a little bit. Yeah, you're back again. We just lost you for a tick, but uh, we got your answer. So, <laughs> okay, cool. Good old, good old internet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so after you you came in second in that uh, first um championship round, how did you, I guess, go from there? You, did you sort of go, hey, yep, we're definitely definitely got a good thing going here and progress up. Yeah, what was your next step after that? Uh, not, not really. Not especially after that. You know, that was just my my first year in karting. We kind of, you know, we we just enjoyed it, and especially spending the time with with the family and with dad and with my brother across. You know, all those karting weekends and you know all the all the friendships I built. You know, through those those karting race meetings are, are still friendships I have till until today. So, um, you know, for sure back then it was. You know, we definitely took it seriously. Don't get me wrong, but it was. It was definitely just a bit of a hobby and, you know, we, we chipped away at it and for sure we were there to win, but, um, you know, it wasn't, you know, everything, everything in it to win type of thing. You know, it was, we were certainly doing it for fun and it probably wasn't until, you know, we really started getting into the karting pretty seriously over, over East and, and doing some of the Rotax Pro Tour rounds and, you know, full, full year championships where you'd have to take a fair bit of time off school um, that it was, you know, we started looking into, into options down the track and, even even then, you know, jumping into a Formula Ford and stuff like that, it wasn't until I did some stuff like that, and especially up until Asia um, in 2015, where it was like, okay, this is, you know, this is something I really want to pursue, and something I, re- I, you know, yeah, for sure, something I really want to pursue and and chase down that dream. How did you go in your first year in the uh, Junior Rotax Series? It uh, wasn't. Uh, wouldn't say it was incredible. Um, you know, we were certainly in amongst the, the front guys in the, in the top 10. Um, it wasn't uh, for sure. I, I never did anything outstanding in, in karting. We won the, won the West Australian state championships in Bunbury. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was all a, all a big experience. Obviously, you know, for me being from, from Perth, there was kind of a little group of us that went over and did some events over in Melbourne and, and New South Wales and, and, and all of that just to, you know, try and bring the whole, WA karting thing, I think, over to over to the East Coast. So that was a bit of an eye opener for me, and obviously new tracks for for all of us. And but no, it was it was really good. I think uh, a lot of people, uh, even in Western Australia, don't realise exactly the talent that we probably have at that level of karting, and you know that that goes on to do some great things, and which is a bit of a shame. But um, you know yourself and. Uh, a few of the others that are flying the flag in Europe at the moment, it's, it's pretty good to see. But um, what was your step out of from karting? Where was your next step from there? Uh, straight out of karting, I did uh, Formula BMW up in Asia, um, which was in 2015. Yep. And I believe you won 14 out of the 15 races. Is that correct? Yeah, that's, yep. Yeah, so 14 out of 15 races and, and won, obviously won the championship. So... That was quite a successful year, I think, for a first, you know, first full kart or open wheeler championship out of karting. It was, it was pretty good. What were some of the tracks you raced on in that series? Um, so that was just a one, a one track championship. So it was basically uh, a championship all, all made around Sepang, the Sepang circuit in Malaysia. Um, and basically a championship designed for, you know, people like myself that were jumping out of carts into into cars and obviously you know the main idea is just to get as many laps as possible so uh, unfortunately we didn't 
um, venture out to any other tracks apart from Sepang, but we did get quite a lot of track time, which is obviously a huge bonus when you're making, you know, such a big step from a go-kart into what is, you know, basically a, a full-blown race car. The, um, Obviously, you didn't hang- need your taxi driver there, Shane. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. Um, the the Sepang track, um, I've, I've had the pleasure of walking around that stupidly uh, in quite the, the heat and humidity. How, do, how does the Sepang track go? You know, obviously, it probably takes a bit of a toll on your body and that. How do you guys prepare for all that? Uh, yeah, back, back then, I think when I was, you know, at the stage, as I said, in 2015, I was... I was still fairly young, so I didn't really have to do that much in terms of preparation. It was kind of just jump in and go. But for sure, you, it took a it took a while to get to a bit of the heat. Uh, but obviously, being in an open wheeler, it's not it's not so bad. Um, obviously, compared to compared to now, when you're in a you know basically a, you know a Carrera Cup car, the temperatures and and a lot of other things are quite different to, to back then, but for sure it did take a bit of getting used to that, that heat and that humidity. But when you're in the car, you're focusing so much that you don't really notice it. It's, it's more until you get out of the car. When you stop focusing, that really hits you how hot um, everything is. Did you grow up watching the Formula One races at uh, Sepang? I did. Yes. Yep. So how was it to actually then go driving on that, on that track? Yeah, it was pretty cool. I mean, obviously when you, you know, when you grow up and, you're watching a sport that you love and, you know, you see some of your idols driving around, around those tracks to obviously to go step foot on them, let alone go race on them is, is for sure something that was, that was pretty special to me at the time. And even this year, a lot of the tracks or all of the tracks I raced on this year were new for me. And uh, obviously tracks I'd grown up watching um, and, you know, F1 and a lot of other categories, you know, even just last year and and this year still tuning in and and watching all those guys on those tracks. So for me this year to go and race on those was still, again, something really, really special. After the, um, actually, sorry, the 15th, the winner of the other race, who was that? Um, I actually can't remember, to be honest. I think it was... No, I, th- I, I think um, I think his name's Daniel. I can't remember his last name, but I think he's racing um, USF two thousand now for uh, for Indy Lights. Okay. Um, yeah, from memory, I might be wrong, but just yeah, from a quick thought. No worries. The um, following year, you stepped into the Australian Formula Four Championship, uh, which is now uh, effectively being getting replaced by the S five thousand series. How was it to go racing in those Formula Fours? Yeah, again, it was you know a fairly a fairly big step, and it was something a lot different. The car was very different to the Formula BMW. Uh, obviously, similar similar in the way that it had wings and slicks, but in terms of of driving them, it was quite a little bit different. And then the biggest challenge for me that year was then you know my whole experience in a race car up until that point was at the same circuit. Um, so then obviously progressing into the F4 championship, I then had to learn all these tracks again that were, you know, well, not again, but learn all these tracks and, and sort of go onto a, onto a race meeting where, you know, potentially I might only have one practice session to one or two practice sessions to learn the track. And then you're into, into qualifying. The, um, you ended up, I believe coming third in that championship. Yeah, finished third in that championship. Had a you know a few wins, a few podiums, and a 
pole position, I believe. So it was it was quite a good year. We had a little bit of bad luck, but um, obviously the you know the guys we were up against were were quite good, and you know I had a really good year. And again, another year of building some really good relationships with a few guys, um, especially within within my team that I have until today. So. No, it was it was definitely a really good year, and you know, definitely a very competitive year. That's for sure. The Formula Four Championship for people that don't know it, whereabouts did they race? Um, so we followed the V8 Supercar Championship around. So I can't remember the exact calendar off my head, but we went to uh, obviously Sydney, Gold Coast, Phillip Island, um, Sandown, and I think Townsville from memory. Um, so yeah, some pretty, a pretty good calendar from memory. It was actually really good. Did you guys do the support race for the F1 that year? No, we didn't. No, oh, that's a shame. No, I remember, uh, I think it was, I think they have the last couple of years though. Yeah. 2019 was the last time they did it, but it was only about four cars. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A bit, bit sad to see, but, um, hopefully, yeah, S5000s might, might pick that up. Yep. So after the Formula Four season, where did you head next? Uh, after Formula Four, I did. I switched into effectively tin tops. I made the call that um, you know I, I really wanted to go overseas and race and race open wheelers, but it was it was going to be quite tough um, for a few few reasons. So we kind of looked at that whole tin top path and and that, that GD3 path that, that I'm on now and kind of made that switch. And I did GD3 Cup Challenge. Um, I got introduced to Michael Ritter from Sonic and, you know, kind of found a home there pretty quickly and, and yeah, jumped into a, a 997 Gen 2 GD3 Cup car. Nice. And looking at your um, switch, you've got some amazing stats with race wins and, Round wins, lap records, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and in 2019, Porsche Carrera Cup Australia champion. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, we did the, the, I guess, the Porsche pyramid, they call it, in you know, how they effectively use their stepping stones within the Porsche world is you start at Cup Challenge, where we did, did a year there, and then obviously made that, that natural step into. Carrera Cup here in Australia, so that's generally a you know a two year program because the competition is is quite high and you're jumping into again a different car and a different race weekend format. So that is generally a, a two year program, which is what we did, and yeah, it was pretty pretty cool to come out on top in uh, in 2019 last year. In um, in your race career so far, have you within Australia have you got a favourite track? Yeah, Bathurst is pretty high up there. You can't um, you can't go past Bathurst. I think. <laughs> how is how is it to race around Bathurst? Now I've, I've driven around Bathurst, and I ask everyone the same question that's uh, that's been to Bathurst. But it's always interesting hearing the things because it's a lot tighter than it looks on TV. It looks tight on TV, but it's actually a lot tighter. Like, yeah, the thing the thing that got me the thing that got me for the first time I went there was really the elevation. Um, you can kind of picture the tightness of the TV a little bit, but for me, the elevation was the main thing. Just how how steep those hills are going up and, and coming down was definitely the big the big eye opener for me. But the best way I like to explain Bathurst is it doesn't matter if it's 
the first lap of the weekend or the last lap of the weekend. It doesn't matter, but your butt cheeks will be, be squeezing the whole way through. So <laughs> it doesn't matter how many laps you've done around there. I guarantee you, if it's the first lap of the weekend or the last lap of the weekend, it's, uh, yeah, it's certainly an eye opener. I think it's, um, yeah, I, I obviously grew up watching, you know, Bathurst and everything and then finally getting to, um, get, get driven up, um, and around the track, uh, not at full speed, anywhere near what you guys do was was enough of a butt clencher for me. But um, <laughs> yeah, like you guys that race around there are just madmen. Like that's that's all <laughs> I can say. Like absolute <laughs> madmen. <laughs> yeah, it's good fun. It's, a, it's an awesome awesome piece of time, Mac, That's for sure. And um, you know, even you speak to a few guys overseas, and a lot of them, all they want to do is come over and race race Bathurst, which is you know pretty cool to hear in in Australia when you've got a lot of drivers around the world and. You know, all they want to do is come and race at Bathurst, which is pretty cool. Yeah. The um, this year obviously been with the Porsche Super Cup Championship, which came tenth in. What uh, what were some of the tracks you guys were racing at? Uh, so we started at the Red Bull Ring, um, and then we went to went to Hungary and Budapest, uh, or Budapest in Hungary, I should say. Uh, Spa, Monza, Silverstone. Uh, we had a lot of, I guess, back-to-back rounds this year. Obviously, COVID changed a lot um, for us this year, and it was a very condensed calendar. Um, so we had um, we had basically back-to-back weekends at at certain rounds, but also at the same tracks. Obviously, being with F1, so we had two rounds at the Red Bull Ring, and then also a back-to-back round at, at Silverstone. So um, there were a lot of, for sure, a lot of cool tracks that we, you know, and amazing facilities that we got to go to that we did miss out on did miss out on a couple that would have been quite special. I think the uh, condensed calendar has been pretty cool. Like I'd like to see it continue as a fan watching. It's uh, I think the the teams adapt to it a lot better, a lot quicker. They seem that to be able to hold a lot quicker. So I think it's a good yeah, thing. It is good. It is very challenging on the teams, um, especially the F1 guys. They're basically going, you know, for some days, 24 hours, um, and even for, for our guys, it was extremely tough for them. Um, but it is it is cool to watch. It is and it is good to good to drive. You know, going from race weekend to race weekend, um, there's not a lot of time for thinking and and you know taking steps forward within your car or or, or yourself. Really, it's just you know you're in and out of the car constantly, and it's you know from a driving perspective, it is it is really interesting. What what, what track would have been your favourite out of that lot for this year? Definitely Spa. <laughs> you can't go. Um, you can't, can't go past Spa. I don't think. That's <laughs> uh, yeah. It's pretty pretty impressive. I'll right, we'll throw a bit of controversy in here. Is it Eau Rouge or Bradalong? Eau Rouge. <laughs> <laughs> it's um yeah. It's all. It's funny watching you know all the arguments. You know every single time F one goes to Spa, is it Eau Rouge or is it Bradalong? <laughs> Just, uh, yeah, yeah. No, it reminds you of Bathurst going through something like that. <laughs> <laughs> the um, yeah. So those tracks. I mean, yeah. For me, Silverstone's sort of a bit like yeah, whatever. Um, I'm yeah, sure some are pretty cool. Still pretty cool, but it's still amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's still pretty yeah. cool. But you know, like yeah, there's me, not many tracks to go to over there where you're kind of like, oh, this is okay, but I'd like to go to the next one. All the all yeah. the tracks over there. Once you 
yeah. once they get on them, they're um yeah, they're they're all very, very special in their own own particular ways. <laughs> yeah. Was Spa sorry to cut in, Shane, but was Spa wild in the same way that Bathurst is because of the elevation? Uh, definitely not, not as much as Bathurst, um, purely cause obviously you've got a little bit more space. Um, but it's, yeah, you're definitely in it for the ride. Like you are similar to Bathurst, you know, kind of just tipping it in, holding on and, and hope you come out the other side to a certain degree. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's an awesome, awesome track. The, um, Coming back to Perth at the end of the end of the year, and you know, you mentioned it was uh, you know it was good to race against your brother, and you know we had the guys catch up with you and have a bit of a chat and all that lovely stuff. Um, did you end up beating your brother when when you were back? Uh, he beat me in the first two races, and I got him in the second one, in the last one. So I don't know how it works with points with the F one thousands or or whatever, but I reckon he might have got me to be honest. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't remember which uh, which way you guys finished. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, like you guys were doing some insane speeds out there. You know, a couple of times actually matching and beating the F one thousands in those radicals. So, um, shows what they can do. Absolutely. Yeah. They're they're a really impressive car, and you know, obviously. Now that I'm spending, or now that I've spent a little bit of time at home, obviously because of because of COVID, I have done a little bit of coaching since then with, with the guys up at Arise um, just to, you know, keep myself in, in the car for a little bit of seat time. And I was actually up there yesterday doing some laps with BD um, and it wasn't, wasn't the best day, but you know, when you sort of start to understand the car a little bit and and focus on a few things yourself, it's, it's really, really cool to see just, you know, what those cars are capable of and you know how enjoyable they are to drive. I think uh, every time you're back, we uh, see updates from BD and his Instagram stories with uh, <laughs> Jordan out on track. So, <laughs> is um, yeah, we've still got to get him on. Actually, keep 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 telling him I've got to get you on. I've got to get you on. <laughs> so, what's the plan for next year? Have you locked in a, a seat yet, or are you still still looking? No, I'm still still chipping away at things for next year. Um, there's a few different uh, opportunities on on the horizon, so yeah, still working away at, at those for for next year. Is the LM rumor true? The which one? Sorry, the LM rumor. What's that one? With uh, going to do the twenty four hour. Twenty four hour at Le Mans. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. That's obviously on the on the list for for something I'd love to do. So. Um, yeah, obviously at the moment, a lot of the teams over there are finding it hard to, to commit to certain stuff because yeah, COVID, COVID for them over there is still, you know, well and truly an issue. So a lot of the teams are, are really struggling to, to commit to a championship and the, the championships are struggling to, to put out a calendar. So, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see, we'll keep chipping away and, and working towards what we're trying to do. So I'm sure I'd be kicked if I didn't ask this. And when you're on the F1 uh, support lineup and, you know, the F2s are racing, F3s are racing, do all you Aussies get together and have a bit of a catch-up or is sort of all separate with your different race times and everything? Uh, well, I don't know what it would be like in a normal year, I guess. Um, obviously, with us this year, with, with COVID and whatnot, we were all separated and there were, you know, a lot of restrictions on on people we could see and, and mingle with and everything. So we weren't actually allowed to go um, near any other championship and, and likewise for all the other guys. So 
Um, it'd be interesting to see what it, what it'd be like um, in a normal year circumstance, but I can imagine it being obviously everyone taking everything very seriously. You, you sort of, you know, you don't have a lot of spare time on your hands. You are focusing a lot across a weekend. So, but yeah, that's kind of what it was like for us this year with obviously being segregated from everybody. Tend to um, sometimes forget, um, I guess, how lucky we've had it with COVID over in WA. Mm. Uh, sometimes with um, go, you know, asking silly questions like that about, oh yeah, you guys must have just hung out, you know. But uh... well, that's yeah, it's such a hard year. Like you, you'd expect that would be the norm, but we forget that uh, you've know, got guys working like oil, oil rig workers where they're refined to their their panel or their, their watch, and uh, they can't talk to anyone else at the airport, you know. Yeah, we had we had quite a lot of restrictions on us, to be honest. And, you know, the same as the F1 guys and, and the F2 and F3 guys as well. You know, we were tested basically twice a week. And, um, you know, there was certain, I guess, bubbles, they called them, of, of people we could mingle with and, you know, places we could stay and couldn't stay and certain distances from the track and everything like that. So it did it did seriously throw in a, a you know, a big element of difficulty for especially the teams. Um, and we travel and everything. So it was, it was very interesting to be over there during, during that time to see how obviously they dealt with it and, and how all the different countries dealt with it compared to, compared to Australia, which was, which was really interesting. But for sure, we have been incredibly luckily here, lucky here, and especially I think being an island has been a huge bonus to try and keep, uh, keep it out, that's for sure. In terms of uh, your career so far, who's who's been some of your biggest supporters to get you where you where you are now? Uh, definitely, I've had a really good group of people around me from from here in Perth. Um, my family has been a massive support for me in terms of you know supporting me in, in what I'm trying to do. Um, but I've had a you know an incredibly good bunch of guys, you know, people from here in Perth, also Melbourne, um, you know to really help me get to get to where I want to go. The um, the part of the episode we're up to now is where I hand you over to Brent. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I think I always make it sound worse than it's going to be, but, you know, <laughs> we just sort of soften everyone up a bit. Um, and he usually gets a few uh, questions from, uh, you know, people who listen to us quite regularly. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, I'll hand you over to him and then we'll come back and have a bit of a chat and, yeah, that'll that'll wrap it all up. Perfect. Yeah, no stress. So, yeah, um, pretty pretty keen to talk to you, to be honest. It's uh, um, the old the old Porsche discussion has been flavour of the month at the moment. So <laughs> obviously, um, Formula BMW into Formula 4 and then straight across into the Porsches, into a 997. Yeah. Um, Transitioning from open wheelers to tin tops, what what was the goal or, or reasoning for that? Just because that was the, the the known stepping stone from where we're at logically, or is there uh, other drivers? Just, just the whole pathway. I mean, you know, when you're in an open wheeler car, your you know really your your pathway is either IndyCar if you're in America, or or you're trying to reach Formula One. So for me, my my goal is is to call this a, a career and and to make to make a living out of it and you know, we all know the, the difficulty of, of going down that F1 path and, you know, the, the budget required to go go down that path is astronomical. And, you know, I think we we jumped ship a lot earlier than, than some people and kind of took a little bit of a reality check to say, you know, is that really possible with, with what we're trying to achieve? And, 
you know, if not, then let's look at, you know, an alternate route um, to try and achieve what we are trying to achieve, uh, you know, a little bit sooner. So that was all the, you know, the really the main reason for that switch into a tin top and just to try and get used to obviously the, the differences from going from an open wheeler into theoretically a GT car. Yeah. Cool. And did you, you obviously made the transition pretty well because you, uh, you, you performed at a, at a real high level real quickly. Um, there's a few different Porsches you've been in over the last, in, in a very short time, but over the last couple of years. Um, what's, uh, uh, what is your favourite of the Porsches or what specific spec are you into? Have you driven any of the older, um, you know, still manual shift jobbies or has it all been the flappy paddle era? Uh, the 997 Gen 2 that I raced in 2017 was a, a sequential dog box. Um, so obviously it's, you know, it's still got all the auto blip and all the fun stuff. So it's, it's not that old school, but I really enjoyed the 997, um, to be honest. It, obviously it's a, it's a little bit of a smaller car and a little bit more nimble to a certain extent. And, um, you really had to really have to drive the wheels off it, which is something I quite enjoy, um. But yeah, that's that's definitely up there with one of my favourites. But the, the new latest spec um, Gen Gen Two is a really nice refined car. Yeah, wicked. Because um, you've been doing a little bit of driving locally in a couple of cars, taking uh, you know um, suitors out for for drives and that, and uh, that's where I got asked to say, what's what's your idea on on how the older ones? Not that the, not that a nine nine seven is an older car, but they're uh, um, a lot more affordable for state level guys to get into, you know, that they're, they're pretty relatively well priced as a, as a race car. So it's good to get that feedback. Do you miss the karting days, but yeah, I certainly miss the karting days. Um, I would, I'd definitely love to, to jump back in a go-kart and it's probably something I'll do while I'm back at home. Um, just jump in for, for a little bit of fun. I think for me the you know, the main thing about the, the karting days was, you know, spending that time with my dad and, and, and obviously my brother and just rocking up and it's not, it's not overly serious. It's just, you know, you're there doing it together and obviously you, you are taking it serious to a certain extent because you want to win and everybody wants to win, but it is, um, it is a really good atmosphere. That's for sure. Wicked. And uh, yeah, it's good seeing a lot of the, the karting in WA seems like it's had a real uh, surgence again, you know, the, um, seems to be a lot more, guys getting into it i don't know if it's because people aren't traveling as much so there's a bit more money back locally in the state it's um yeah it's been seen to take off the um obviously to, to race at the level you're at um we you know people don't understand how much of an athlete you have to be to race internationally right so it's not just been a uh, uh you know like the supercar era of 25 years ago where you could smash a pie and a can of coke and jump in a car and and, and be the quickest dude out right you, you've got to be terribly fit um you know it's it's a massive toll on the body and then like you're saying going doing back-to-back rounds you don't get any recovery time like the glory footballers get you you're straight through you know um so what sort of training are you doing now at the moment knowing that next season when you do hit it it'll be a very quick turnaround once they make up their minds on what's going on what are you doing training-wise at the moment for that? Yeah, I, I quite enjoy the fitness side of things. It's something I've always been quite um, quite interested in. So I, I do, obviously, I train I train fair bit. I train um, most days twice a day. I do quite a bit of cycling, which I've gotten into 
into recently. So I'm cycling almost up to about 300k a week, um, just to you know obviously for your cardio side of things. And then if I'm not doing that, obviously in the gym, in the gym doing some uh, conditioning work with with weights, etc., and a few specific little things. But yeah, nothing nothing over the top. But you know obviously it is it is quite a lot. It is quite a you know a heavy program when you're you know when you're training constantly twice a day for you know six days a week. It is it takes it out on you. <laughs> Yeah, and how did um, obviously with traveling so much is a bit of hotel isolation, COVID ISO, whatever you want to call it. How did that? How did you manage to wrangle that? Because I know I would have just been sitting down eating chips. Yeah, it was it obviously makes it incredibly difficult. And when you're in a, a championship where you've got back to back rounds, you don't have time to train. So even even throughout the year when you are incredibly busy, most of your training's in the off season, and then throughout the year you're kind of just maintaining that that level. So. You do your main building in your off season, and then throughout the year, you kind of just just try and maintain that that level across the year. But for sure, this year with with quarantining and and all those little fun stuff, it was it was certainly a bit of a hassle. I know when I came back home, spending two weeks in a hotel was it was cruelty. It was yeah. definitely one of the worst things I've ever done, and I don't think I'll be doing that again. So if I go again over next year, and quarantine's still a thing coming coming home, I think I'll just stay over there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that bad. Um, so obviously with, with keeping that fitness up, keeping the race fitness going, um, any injuries really throw you off your game. You carried a couple of injuries into the start of the year and, and you performed exceptionally well at the highest level with it. How how did you pull all that together? Yeah, that was that was a bit of a pickle. I broke broke my hip when I came back home originally because of COVID and um, yeah, decided to go out surfing, which is something I done plenty of times before and never thought that I'd you know injure myself doing it and yeah ended up turning my hip into about three different pieces so um that was that was a fair serious injury and uh obviously had an operation and pins and plates and everything put in and that happened about five weeks before I was leaving so uh recovery was certainly certainly full on from that point and you know obviously that threw all my fitness out of the window and and all my training um obviously came to a halt uh, basically for the whole year. Um, I haven't been able to get really stuck back into training until I've, until really until I come home. So um, that was for sure really, really challenging. You know, when you're learning to work, learning to walk again, basically two weeks before you're jumping on an airplane to go over and compete um, overseas wasn't, was, was far from ideal, but you know, at the end of the day, we were still in the car and we were still driving around. So no, it was good. Far out. That's um, yeah. And you were competitive too. Like that's, yeah, that's absolutely bonkers. Fitness aside, yeah, it, was, it was obviously sorry. with. No, you're right. Keep going. I was say, um, fitness aside, um, you've got to have, you know, there's the whole muscle memory driving sort of thing. Um, you've been doing a lot of work with it, with a rise, with you know, driving the, um, the radicals and that. What what else are you doing to keep, you know, in, engaged and in the car and in that sort of driver mindset? Yeah, for me, a, a big thing and a big part of the sport that I've noticed, especially over the last two years, that plays a really big part is obviously the mental side of things. Being in that right headspace and being able to, you know, turn yourself on before a session or or, or during a lap, um, you know, to, to put it all together under such high pressure is, is such a big part of it. So to be able to learn and understand the mental side of things and, and to work with a few people um, has really been a big eye opener for me, especially over the last two years. So that's probably a really big part of it. And it plays 
for me, that plays a bigger part than the fitness side of things. Obviously, the fitness side of things is, like you said, still a big a big part, but that is, you know, almost, you know, in my opinion, twice as important. Yeah, well, and with that, um, you know, we don't think about, you know, especially at our state level, we don't think about going and getting help with that sort of stuff. Um, how, did, how did that come about for you? Was that through the team that you're in? Was that through uh, local guys here or did you reach out or did someone say, hey, you should talk to this person? How's that work? Yeah, that was with uh, with Michael Ritter when I was with Sonic um, for, for three years over in Victoria. Um, just one of those things, you know, just another another little element to, you know, gain a little bit extra out of yourself and, and obviously to, you know, when you're trying to find those last little 1% differences, um, you know, everything helps. So, um, yeah, it was something I tried initially and then didn't really um, – didn't really think much of it. And then I think when I, you know, matured a little bit and, and sort of, you know, took a step back and, and tried it, um, you know, I could really notice, really notice a difference just from understanding that, that aspect of how it all works and um, yeah, using a, a, a few little things to, yeah, to understand it. Yeah, that's wicked. And, and speaking of the, you know, the little one percenters, um, that the the recent round at, at Wanneroo, like Shane was saying, you, you pretty much embarrassed everyone. You you and your brother with the uh, the radicals, like having them that you know as quick as the Formula Thousands with the weight disadvantage they carry, the you know, the sheer aero package, etc. Um, what's what's the trick for Barbagallo to be that quick? Is this something uh, you can relay know. or is it just that having that, done, that next level? I haven't level? done that many laps around there recently, to be honest, over the last three years. I've probably done more laps in the last few weeks than what I've done in the last four years around there. So, um, yeah, obviously it's a, you know, it's a place you're, you're quite familiar with. But, um, yeah, I think for me was just getting used to getting used to those cars and getting back into a car that is, you know, extremely light and, and, and you know, involves quite a little bit of, of, of aero help. Um, for me, was probably the main thing. Cool, and um, so obviously, getting the most out of something like that is, is you know, you, you got to string everything together. You got to have the fitness. You got to be a, a decent driver with a high skill set um, to be quick, and then you got to have you know the trust in the car and the setup in the car. Um, when you're traveling backwards and forwards to Europe and working with these professional teams, how, how does that work and that relaying what you want out of the car or what they expect out of you in the car or how you should drive it like this or it's going to do this and that? How does, how does that all work? How, could you sort of walk us through a typical test day or, or something? Like that? Not so much the racing, but more the getting the most out of the car. Yeah, well, obviously, you, 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 know, you try and build a very close relationship with your engineer because obviously he's the one that um, is really calling the shots on the car setup, and he's the one that's looking at your squiggly lines of data, and he's the one that you're relaying your feedback on the car to. So, um, obviously, throughout throughout the season, I'm I base myself basically where the team is, um, you know, so I can be in at the workshop throughout the week, before and after each race meeting, and really just spending time with them. So, you know, so not only they can understand you, but so you can understand them. Um, but it's, yeah, it's really all down to the relationship you can build with your, your engineer and, you know, you know, for him to understand how you like the car. So then when you go to, to different tracks, when the car setup is different, he can help to, to alter the car to how you prefer the car to handle in, with your drive style. Cool. And, um, have you had the, the, the same engineer most of the time or have you had a different one every year? How do you build that relationship quickly? 
Uh, it, it is very difficult. This year was obviously being with a new team overseas was, was a new engineer for me. So that was incredibly difficult to, to build a relationship with, with them very quickly. But the guys at um, Alex and, and the whole team at FARC were really good to, you know, really welcoming for me and, and, you know, helped a lot to build that relationship in such a, in such a short, short space, which was really important. Um, but obviously prior to that being with, with Sonic, I had, you know, Michael and, and Michael Henry, um, you know, on, on my radio and, and engineering with me. So that was, um, that was really, really good to obviously build the relationship with them over the last three years. And, and Michael Ritter is still, you know, very much a big, a big help for me in terms of moving forward and, and calling the shots uh, to a certain extent with, with what I do next and, and helping me to make, make decisions. So, you know, they're the relationships that, you know, really help you progress forward. Yeah. Wicked. So with, um, with local racing here, um, obviously we're, we're not uh, at the level that the, the big pros are. Um, you know, some of the guys are lucky enough to have, have loggers and that, so they can see, you know, corner speed, throttle trace maybe. Some of the cars might even have, be lucky enough to have a bit of brake pressure. Um, monitoring, what 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 do you want to see out of the car? Like, you know, you sit down and you have your little your debrief or whatever you guys do. Um, what is something you're straight away, I've got to see what I was doing. Or I want to look at this piece of data. Is it, you know, what's your go-to? Yeah, well, straight away, obviously, you look at the uh, really your, your vitals, your brake pressure, your throttle inputs, your steering inputs. Um, obviously, your corner speeds are really the the main ones um, that you look at um, and and work off within yourself. But um, nowadays, with the technology that's available, the engineers have got access to basically everything. So, um, yeah, if there's certain um, little niggly things within within the car that aren't quite to your liking, it's very easy for them to, to plug in and, and have a look and see what might be going on. But for me, definitely, obviously, your brake pressure, your throttle inputs, your steering inputs um, are obviously the, the, main, the main three that you go off and sort of work from there. Cool. And is that... Um... Is that something you'll um, typically want to see straight away when you come in or you just ask, hey, how did it look? Did it look fast? Did it feel good? Um, yeah. Yeah, obviously, you know, you, you sit down straight away and um, they get everything, all the information out of the car and you just sit down and, and start going through it. You have a bit of a chat about how the car feels and, and you know, what you think you needed or, or what we could have changed or done different. And then you look through, through your data to see if you were <laughs> driving like a bit of a uh, – like you shouldn't have been or, or you were kind of on top of things and, and whatnot. So there is obviously a lot of different variables that, that can be changed throughout a session. So you just sit down and, and go over everything and have a big discussion and progress from there. Cool. And the, the newer Porsches, are they, are they like, you know, like in, like a typical race car where when you're doing what you feel like is a complete flat out gnarly lap and you come in and it's actually slow. And when you do a lap where you think, Oh, that was just average and it's, blistering quick on the times that do they give you that sort of thing as well or are they just on the edge uh no not really i mean obviously when you you know when you're when you're doing a lap you you, you feel a lot what the car's doing and what you're doing so uh, you can generally pick cr- pretty quick if it's going to be a good lap or, or an okay lap um but with with something that was quite interesting for me this year was racing on the pirelli rubber from the f1 it was really really different and it gives you a bit of a a bad feeling to be honest it just feels really less grippy um and quite sloshy with the michelin tire that we run onto the the pirelli rubber that obviously f1 f2 and f3 run on 
Um, so dealing with that for me was a big, big thing this year and obviously quite new. Um, trying to deal with a car that doesn't necessarily feel very good, but it's just, it is what it is. You've got to deal with it and you've got to drive, drive around it. So um, for sure, you certainly have times where, you know, it feels horrendous, but it might still be fast relative to the others. But, um, you know, probably eight out of 10 times, if it feels horrendous, it probably is horrendous. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. The, um, yeah, I didn't, didn't think about the rubber thing. So, um, and that, that was that would obviously have been a challenge, I suppose, for the local guys to compare. That's probably like uh, driving west, driving uh, Wanneroo on on a Saturday after the high silica tire drifters have been out on a uh, Friday night. <laughs> probably as close as I could think of it, how that would feel. That's that's bonkers. Um, with the uh, with that, um, do you reckon the. Uh, you know, that was obviously part of the F1 silly season. Do you reckon they had the same thing going the other way? Oh, we don't want to go out after the, the Michelin-tied Porsches have been out? Uh, I don't know how they go with with us, to be honest. I know with the supercar guys, they love the Michelin rubber. Um, you know, if if the Carrera Cup guys have been out, the supercar guys generally like to get out straight away because it works so yeah. well with their, with their Dunlops. But... Um, I don't know how it works the other way around with the F1 guys, but I, I don't think it would be such a big problem with them because we're not on, on track a lot um, throughout an F1 weekend, but obviously they've got F, F2 and F3 out there as well. I don't think it would affect them too much, but I know it, it certainly affects us. <laughs> yeah, wicked. Um, so obviously with, with, your, um, with your brother being pretty handy on the wheel as well and, and the old boy as well, um, is there much rivalry there or do you guys feed off each other and, and push each other pretty hard? Uh, there certainly has been in the past and there always will be that brother, brother rivalry to a certain extent. Um, I think we've grown, you know, we've grown up a lot over the last, you know, probably two years and, you know, we're very happy now to, to, you know, sort of relay stuff off one another and, and, and try and help each other out. So maybe if you had to ask me that question, maybe, you know, 12, to 12 months to to two years ago, I probably would have said, no, straight rival. We don't tell each other anything. But um, certainly over the last year, we've, we've we've really grown together and, you know, certainly relay relay stuff off one another, especially because he's he's now doing what, you know, theoretically what I was doing two years ago. So um, it's obviously for him to have me. I think I can help out. I'd love to help out where I can. And, um, you know, I'm sure he thinks that he can do it without me, but... You know, we do uh, we do love to help each other where we can. Yeah, and you've obviously learned a few lessons along the way, and and can help him get up to speed or, or avoid some of the pitfalls of that that sort of life. Absolutely. Um, so, with that rivalry, you're always going to have it with your brother. I, I, I get that. Is there any other drivers in the series where you your greatest mates, but you you did against on the track sort of thing? Is there is there another anyone there you sort of feed off as well? Uh, not at the moment, for sure. In the past, there has been, um, but it's you know it's kind of back to you know the whole karting days. You know, you used to hang out with your group of mates at the track, and then once you got onto the once you got onto the track, it was like, okay, we're not mates anymore. We're we're out there racing. So, um, not not as such at, at the moment, but you know, for sure, over the years, there definitely has been scenarios like that where you you know you are racing against some of your closest buddies that you've built those relationships with throughout, you know, your racing career thus far. And yeah, once you go out on track, you're not mates anymore. It's what happens on track stays on track. 
yeah, as soon as that helmet goes on, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty bonkers. Have you got any? Uh, uh, and I asked this one to everyone. Have you got any weird superstitions? Like you've got to do left sock first. You've got to wear a specific brand of something, you know, because you guys would go through gear quicker than most. But so it's not like you have the favorite same pair of jocks. But yeah. Not really, to be honest. I'm 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 fairly chilled and laid back, you know. In terms of, I've got a little bit of a routine that I do b- before the car, but nothing, you know, nothing out of the ordinary. I think nothing too too uh, nothing too silly compared to some people and some stories that I've heard. <laughs> yeah. So then, so then, pretty chilled out, pretty relaxed guy, just likes to get into your routine. What what uh, what triggers you then? What what's a, what's a trigger for Jordan? Uh, I don't know. I do obviously when you get in the car, you do, you know, I do a bit of visual stuff, picturing laps in, in, in my head and, and whatnot. So, um, you know, you, you generally, you know, you use the whole atmosphere of, of where you are and everything around you to get you fairly pumped up and, and ready to go. And then obviously you get in the car and, and focus on the job at hand. Yep. And you mentioned before that the engineer's key and being on the mic with you, uh, in the car, are they are they pretty integral to keeping you calm and keeping you focused as well? And then how how do you feed that way? Uh, yeah, to a certain extent, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, just to have that that information throughout a session or or a race is obviously very very handy when you you know you might be in the middle of middle of you know chasing someone down or or someone's chasing you down. And it's just good to have that information, uh, you know, in in your ear of of getting a bit more of an understanding of what's going on um in 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 that race or in that session wicked um so with the especially the recent racing and following the um the europe series how big is the team around you to make just one car run because this is what i'm always telling guys that try to race on a weekend by themselves that you need you need at least two people to give you a hand because it's too dangerous to half-ass it and not get your belts on right and rush and all that sort of stuff you need to really worry about what you're doing and then stepping up you know five ten levels again to what you're doing how big's the team to make all that work yeah on a race day there for us this year we had um the team were running two cars and we had around i think it was about 11 to 12 people um yep. for, for those two cars um, just to give you, obviously, to give you a bit of bit of an idea. Obviously, it's not it's not crazy. Obviously, the supercar guys run quite a, a few more people than that, um, and then obviously F one is next level. <laughs> but yeah. Um, but yeah, obviously, you know, having those those extra hands, and you know, obviously having someone like your engineer, and obviously then you obviously have your team owner to to relay certain stuff off. It all does make everything run a lot smoother. Yeah, wicked. They're still a big team. They're still a sports team in any, any, uh, you know, any any of the the codes. I suppose you'd say. Um, yeah. So being a big surfing guy, um, did you surf anywhere in Europe? I suppose it's not really the place for it, but uh, probably I'm, weren't well, keen on you taking your board. I'm not. I'm not that good, as I see, because I broke my hip. So <laughs> clearly, I'm clearly I'm nothing special. I just do it for a bit of fun every now and then when I'm home. So yeah, I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm that into it. <laughs> Yeah, wicked. Um, so, sort of changing things up a little bit, just asking that this is a more more fun sort of questions now. What's your favourite uh, road car and and why? And then follow it up by what's your favourite race car and why? Cool. It could be anything, you know, just something one. you've driven, obviously. But yeah, um, road car wise, I 
Yeah, I'm not too. I'm not too sure. There's some pretty cool, pretty cool toys out there. I've driven. I've had the. You know, I've had the the luxury and the. You know, I've been given the, an incredible opportunity to drive some some pretty cool, amazing road cars. So, I don't know. That's a really tough one. You know, all that all that stuff that's out there now. There's some incredibly high powered toys. Um, so I don't know if I could put my finger on one of them, but in terms of race car stuff, again, it's really down to, to what I've driven and, you know, I've spent obviously a lot of time in, in the Porsches really mainly. So, um, you know, I probably have to say the Gen 2 991 that I've been driving this year and in the last three years really is, is probably one of my favorites at the moment. Yeah, cool. Um, when you're, um, trying not to you know when you're in you chill out time and and you're just not you know you're trying to have a bit of bit of jordan time and i don't know how you do it between trying to keep racing trying to keep fit recovering from breaking a hip um dodging sharks what what do you like to do what's what's a typical day um i do actually do quite a bit of coaching work um so i spend a bit of time up especially when i'm you know at home i spend a bit of time up at the track doing some coaching with with a few different guys and when i was living in melbourne for a few years i did um a lot of a lot of driving instructing work with mercedes and audi and um a lot of customer days at, at certain tracks with with obviously guys bringing their own cars to the track and you know enjoying some of the cool toys that they have um so i quite enjoy that that aspect of it and doing a bit of instructing work, obviously meet some really cool people. Um, but when I'm home and, you know, if it's kind of a couple of weeks off, I'm, I'm not really one to sit down and do nothing. I can't really just sit there and, and, and twiddle my thumbs. So if I'm, if I've got nothing to do and I'm at home, I'm, I'm out camping or out mucking around on the bike, motorbikes or, or whatever it might be. I'm always, I'm always doing something. I can't sit down and, and just twiddle my thumbs. <laughs> So just a general, general Aussie guy, camping, motorbikes, yeah. <laughs> bush drifts, all the rest of it. Yeah. No, that's cool, man. Well, it's been it's been wicked talking to you. I was pretty keen to get get the skinny on on the Porsches and the different models. Um, uh, there's a few of us that have been, you know, especially with 997s coming down so so reasonable in price at the moment. There's a few of us looking changing the sports that ends up and and going to them because they're just yeah. they're built to do it from the get go. Um, so it was cool to get your take on that. Um, cool to get your take on on Bathurst versus Spa because I kind of like I haven't driven Bathurst yet, but to me I I think the island's more attractive to me. But that's because I'm scared of walls because every time <laughs> I race on a track with a wall side of a track, I manage to find it pretty quickly <laughs> and early in a weekend. So it's a yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's good to know. Have you with the um, obviously this year with the show in in Europe that there, there wasn't many, but previously with the Porsches and is there much road racing or what the Yanks would call road race type or street circuits, I should say? Uh, obviously, in Australia we have Adelaide um, and the Gold Coast, um, which are incredible places. Obviously, it's a bit of a shame now that they've they've called it quits on the Adelaide. Adelaide race, which is a bit yeah, of a shame. It it's a really, really incredible circuit. Um, obviously, Gold Coast, again, is high adrenaline, something that's completely bonkers, obviously, with those big curbs um, and, a, you know, a really, really you know, amazing place to race around. And then overseas, the only one that would have been on our calendar this year was Monaco, but obviously that being cancelled, uh, we didn't end up making it there, unfortunately. So 
that would have been something incredibly impressive for me and, and you know, something really, really special. But unfortunately, it was just the, the times we were in this year, unfortunately, we had to had to sacrifice something. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, and just one more question before I throw you over to Shane, and I should have asked you what we were talking about before, but what's your favourite part of Wanneroo and, and, uh, and why? Favourite part of Wanneroo? Um Probably cold. You can't go past the bowl down the bottom. That's, you know, yeah. especially with a lot of, uh, you know, the, the little bits and pieces that I've done at Wanneroo that's mainly been in some aero stuff. So, you know, really generating a lot of aero is, you know, through there you can really generate some serious mid-corner speeds. So, yeah, through there is pretty, uh, pretty impressive in something with a bit of aero. Cool. Now, obviously, um, uh, Wanneroo is quite a short lap and, uh, love it or hate it, I think that, that adds to the complexity of trying to get a really quick time around there. Um, in the in the circuits you race elsewhere, they're obviously quite long tracks. You, you prefer a big, long, drawn-out lap or you, you want to get that rhythm up quite quick? Uh, yeah, I obviously... Uh, it's a it's a difficult one to pick, pick from. Obviously, all the tracks I was at this year are, are generally quite long, um, which, which I quite enjoy to a certain extent. Um, because it's, you know, it certainly doesn't make it harder, harder or easier. It's, you know, just as difficult a long lap compared to a short lap. Obviously, with a long lap, you might be able to, to make up a little bit of time here and there, but, you know, you still have to be just as precise as you would on a, on a shorter track. So, yeah, I'd probably say I prefer, prefer a longer lap, I think. Yeah, cool. I'll, I'll give back to Shane now. I've asked you enough nerdy questions. Um, <laughs> Yeah, go from there. And, uh, yeah, awesome to have you, have you on. Awesome to have you back in WA for a little bit. Uh, can't wait to see what you do next year and, and uh, fly that Aussie flag. No, thanks, mate. Really appreciate it. Cheers. Alrighty, my favourite question of the show. Um, if you were able to have uh, in your team giving you guidance and coaching any driver from any era of motorsport, uh, any discipline, who would you want to? Who would you want that to be? Oh, that is a tough one. That is a really tough one. I don't know. It's 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 tricky. I think um, having someone who understands the car and what you need from the car is obviously obviously very important. Um, I think you know that's where. That's where someone like Schumacher did so well. Um, obviously, his understanding for the car and what he needed from the car was, um, you know, I think was so was so high, and you know, added really added to why he did what he did. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a really tough one. I don't know. There's, you know, it's, a, a team doesn't just revolve around one person. You know, it's it's not just one person's going to make the difference. You know, I, I always say motor racing is just as much of a team sport as as AFL, you know, it really relies on that whole bonding of the, of the team and everyone working um, in symphony together. So yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I think, I don't know. I think just a good group of guys, you know, who are good at what they do and can have a good time going away racing. I think that'd make a big difference as well. Oh, that's the first time we've ever had that answer. (laughs) 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 Oh, that's cool. Now, um, we've seen little glimpses behind you of uh, potentially some memorabilia. What have you got behind you there? Um, I don't know, actually. I've got just a picture from F4. I don't know if you can see that on the Gold Coast, I think that is. And then just an old 
old helmet sitting up there, which is, I think, Formula BMW and, and F4 days, that helmet was. Yeah, okay, cool. We sometimes, um, yeah, see walls of trophies and all sorts of stuff. And uh, we had uh, Brad Jones on, and I think his, Brad Jones's favorite trophy, I think, was actually that um, Jackie, Jackie Chan trophy. plate. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty cool. So, have you got a <laughs> favorite trophy or bit of bit of memorabilia you've kept from over the years? Um, yeah, I've got got all my trophies laying around in in bits and pieces in dad's office. I think most of them are um, but um probably yeah, I think you know, you can't go past uh, last year's championship trophy. That's obviously incredibly special to me and um, something that we we tried to achieve, you know, that will you know was the plan to achieve last year, but was all a part of, I guess, a, a three year plan. So that that's that's pretty special to me. But unfortunately, I don't I don't have that one. That's sitting in Melbourne with the team. So <laughs> I'll have to get a replica made or something. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, early on in the in today's chat, you you mentioned that you wouldn't weren't too sure what you'd do if you weren't in motorsport. Is that is that true? Like, was there ever any other potential thing you wanted to get into or look at doing? Or no, no idea what I'd be doing. <laughs> I loved I loved my footy as a kid, but I don't think I was ever talented enough to play footy. But um, yeah, look, honestly, I've got no idea. There's nothing else. There's no fallback plan. I got no idea. This is just yeah. This is all I can see myself doing, and um, I'm sure if it all was to come crashing down, I'd I'd find something because I'd go crazy doing nothing. Um, but um, but yeah, there's not really a not really something else I can picture myself doing. That's for sure. Not a pro surfer anyway. Yeah, definitely not that. <laughs> <laughs> was it that um was that accident that was after we caught up back in January, wasn't it? That surfing. I think we might have lost him. No, there he is. There we go. We're back. Yep, yeah, yeah, we're back. The Because, um, yeah, we, we actually caught up uh, back in January, um, which uh, was pretty cool. The, do you reckon you might uh, take up a spot waiting tables or something like that to kill some time while you're back or you're avoiding? I don't, I don't, I don't think that would be a job. <laughs> <laughs> Male model, maybe. <laughs> Oh, that was um yeah that was actually a really cool backdrop for an interview sitting down at uh coco's in oh, south perth stunning, and... stunning spot yeah yeah so yeah really really nice cool well look um is there anyone you want to give a bit of a thanks to um before we wrap up the show this week oh yeah obviously you guys thanks for having me on board and um you know for everyone that's that, that listens or whatever that's enjoying this their motorsport here in WA keep uh, keep at it because it's you know it's obviously a sport that that I love and have grown up you know loving and enjoying and it's great to see so many people with the with the same passion. Fantastic. Well, that wraps up episode number thirty of Behind the Sport. Um, again, not going to even going to bother mentioning next week's guest because every time we do, we always jinx it and then. You know, something happens. Um, so thanks again, Jordan. Thanks again, Brent. And we'll see you for episode 31.